geographically the largest landlocked country in the world, the Republic of Kazakhstan was the last country to secede from the Soviet Union in 1991 by four days. Legend has it that Kazakhstan is the birthplace of apples, specifically from the largest city, Almaty, which when translated into English, means city of apple trees. As someone who has always been fascinated by the Central Asian region, I was very excited to speak with Damali about her country of Kazakhstan. She informed me about some incredible places to visit while in her country, such as Kandy Lake, where trees can grow underwater. We also did touch upon conflict that is occurring in Kazakhstan, specifically the events that took place in January 2022, known as Bloody January. There were protests and riots in regards to gas prices and human rights violations, and many casualties. Donnelly later describes cooking to represent a love language in Kazakhstan, as people are very welcoming and hospitable. They put a lot of effort by making homemade dishes from scratch packed with flavor. Like the meaning behind food, it's always about getting together with the people you love. Yeah, be your family, your friends, your relatives. Food is a very important part of that. And cooking for someone, yeah, I guess you can say it's like one of the main love languages for yeah, the Kazakhstani culture. Hello everybody, you are listening to Evan Worldwide. On this podcast, I'm going to take you on a journey around the world. You will hear young people's perspectives on culture, conflict, and cuisine. So let's go. Uh, my name is Damali. I am 19 years old and I'm from Kazakhstan, a country in Central Asia. Wonderful. So my first question for you is, would you say that there's a lot of conflict in your country? Uh, well, I would say that probably more yes than no, as in any country. And I think the January events, especially this year, they left a lot of people shocked and scared and perhaps uncertain about the future and more doubtful about the government. I hope that through this kind of conflict, through this kind of like collective pain, we will achieve progress eventually. And like in all ways, Kazakhstan would become more developed. There will be betterment. Do you think that you could maybe describe a little bit or elaborate more on the, the events that happened in January? I'm, I'm aware of them, but I know not everybody is. So just kind of like to give in like some insight. Yeah, well, it basically started out, I think, as a few protests um, in one specific region in Kazakhstan because of a sudden spike in gas prices. However, that eventually led to all other regions in the country joining in and supporting those people. And eventually there were protests going on across the whole country and the reasons for it, not only gas, but pretty much any social issues that we have, be it gender inequality or just low wages or anything like that, or perhaps like being unhappy with the government and their work. And so it kind of grew into this really big situation and it escalated really quickly as well. And I mean, it is honestly still not very open or known what exactly happened, who is exactly behind everything. But I don't know, there were rumors, there were like terrorist groups that were getting together to attack the cities or that, I don't know, specific people in the higher positions were behind it, something like that. So yeah, it's all very just still unknown. But yeah, what the result was that 
one of the big, like the biggest city in the country, Almaty. Yeah, there were a lot of wrecks. There was a lot of fire. There was a lot of casualties as well. Unfortunately, many victims um, of just civilians. And yeah, it left a lot of people in shock. So I, I think we're still recovering from that situation. And now like the current events in the world are also worrisome. So it's all just quite difficult. Yeah. That's very scary and very sad to hear to hear more about the casualties and the fires and how there's the people are struggling um, due to those events because uh, that happened in January. You bring up the fact that the current situation with Russia and Ukraine or like the global, just global climate in general, is Kazakhstan intimidated by Russia? Does Kazakhstan worry about any potential, any possibilities with Russia politically? Well, yeah, I think, of course, there are definitely worries since we are um, bordering with Russia and we have like a pretty close relationship with Russia. I think I don't really know how to put it. I guess anybody is really kind of shying away from saying anything too openly because it's yeah can be risky <laughs> yes it can definitely be very dangerous of course how would you say that there's also some economic conflict in kazakhstan after the collapse of the soviet union yeah i mean as my parents share or any like older family members it, they say it was a pretty difficult time over time it got better however of course there are still problems going on i mean there's a big, I would say, inequality, economic inequality between people as well, still present. Um, I mean, I guess any country would have this those sort of problems. Right, definitely. Um, many countries have the, have similar issues. I guess this next question that I have, it's a little bit not really related to conflict. I mean, I guess I don't know if it has created conflict. However, when I was younger, at least. I always knew the capital of Kazakhstan to be Astana. And then recently it was changed to Nur Sultan, if that's if that's correct. Did that name change of the capital city create any conflict or any controversy within the country? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's pretty much like a sensitive topic, I would say, um, because, yeah, a lot of actions in the country being done without like the voice of people. And yeah, I guess a lot of people expressed their like unhappiness with this choice um, because like Astana, it was already, I would say like an established brand kind of as like the capital city. There was, I mean, everything was about Astana in books, on the internet, like stores, businesses, like everything was related to that. And suddenly changing that to the first name of the first president. Yeah, people were like, why is this happening? And I think it's still going on. People who are very open about their opinions, they say, like, my city is Astana, not Nur Sultan, like continuing to say that. And there were even, I think, petitions going on at some time, like to change the city's name back to Astana. But yeah, I'm not sure if any of that is going to work, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, who knows the power of the population? Although I don't really know if the Kazakh government would listen to the people or give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm not 100% certain about that. Do you think they would? Do you think those petitions could potentially do something and change the name from Nur Sultan back to Astana? It's hard to say because 
I mean, honestly, I don't think petitions in general are that effective in Kazakhstan. However, like I started noticing and a lot of other people as well, that after the January events, the government's becoming like slowly, slowly more lenient towards people because, for example, there were even already allowances for like protests to be led like by the government, like the government allowed it. For example, in support of Ukraine, when that, I don't know if that ever happened, um, that the government would officially allow a protest to happen. So perhaps change will be achieved and we can actually get what we want, like the name, uh, like the name of the city to change. Gotcha. You know, it's interesting. I had no idea that it was such a sensitive topic in Kazakhstan. I honestly thought that it was, it just had to do something with like the history. I didn't really know, like people took it very seriously in Kazakhstan. Are you yeah. from the capital? Or are you from a, a different city? I was born in Astana, uh, but then I was moving around my whole life. Mostly I lived in Almaty. What social issues are most prevalent in Kazakhstan? Well, there's not um, a little amount, I can say. Yeah, I mean, sexism is obviously still present as everywhere else. Um, you won't find very many women working in top positions or in the government unless they are related to other government officials. Yeah, I mean, plus there's also like a, still a very traditional conservative mindset just in the society, especially among the older generations. Yeah, like for example, when it comes to family life, a lot of people still believe that it's women who should be the housewives, who should take care of the kids and the family, uh, while the men should be the typical breadwinners. Uh, there's also a lot of like stereotypical traditions uh, stemming from history of how like the husband's family treats his wife. Yeah, it's also kind of a sensitive topic in my culture that there's a stereotype that, yeah, for example, the husband's mother or parents in general are very strict, very demanding, uh, demanding towards his wife and stuff like that. Yeah, there's even, I can say, like pretty messed up tradition uh, that, for example, when a family has a lot of daughters, but they want a son, they like after giving a birth to a daughter, they will name her Ulbolsen, which from Kazakh means let there be a boy. <laughs> so meaning that after this girl, let there, like the next child be the boy. So yeah, it's kind of kind of messed up a little bit as well. And yeah, it's a female name, but that's what it translates to. Sexism is a big social issue. I mean, racism, I can say, well, we are a very multicultural country. We have a lot of nationalities, a lot of different ethnicities and religions. I wouldn't say there's a lot of racism in the sense, in the same way that there is, for example, in the United States. However, yeah, I mean, sometimes it still happens like nationalism. For example, some nations think they're better than others. Of course, you can still face that um, in Kazakhstan as well. Homophobia, of course, is still present uh, because I said it's a pretty, like the societal thinking is still pretty traditional and conservative. I can even share like, there was a story, I think last year that happened. And yeah, it's like a national high school or secondary school where the education level is considered to be really good. And it's taught in like all languages, like English, Russian, Kazakh and stuff like that. So, and also it like recruits students based on um, achievement level and stuff like that. But basically there was a situation in one of the schools where I think there was like um, some kind of school party going on. 
and a kid i think like a 13 or 14 years old a boy came to this party oh i think it was like harry potter themed or something and he came to the party wearing a skirt and when the teachers or the principal saw him they took him away and basically started i think like criticizing him for that and threatening to call his parents to call family that he's wearing a skirt it eventually led to his family becoming involved and basically some family conflict going on on that side which eventually really unfortunately resulted in the boy uh, committing suicide i think the next day or something yeah it was a very big news story across the whole country and it was really unfortunate and sad of course but what resulted was uh i think the students of those uh schools of that school association they kind of all got together and like created this movement of yeah boys coming to schools in skirts and like protesting against the school administrations saying that gender doesn't define what you should wear or not so i can say it really brought a lot of young people together especially uh which was I think it's a very hopeful thing to see. But yeah, unfortunately, things like this, of course, continue to happen. And actually, I think suicide, the Kazakhstan is in like top five ratings in the world for suicide rates. So it's, um, I guess, uh, one of the big so- uh, social issues. Well, Damili, that was a pretty incredible story that you shared about that boy and unfortunately with his situation. However, what the other people did from that association of schools in protest and in, in demonstrating how that was not okay. I think hearing that, that was pretty incredible to be completely honest. I want to go back to the sexism a little bit. So you were saying that there's this mentality where the men, it's like the men are the head of the house, I guess, and they're more manipulative of their wives. Do you think that that came from anything other than the traditional values, like anything in addition, like maybe the religious values of the country? Or I guess, was it really just from the way that families were were brought up at the time? That's a pretty good question, because I think actually, I'm not very knowledgeable about the history of Kazakhstan and like the history before the Soviet Union. Um, But yeah, I see that a lot of people are saying that actually Kazakhstan was a very, what is it called, like non-discriminatory nation in the past. And there was pretty much equality between the genders before the times of the Soviet Union. And then perhaps after you know, the colonization by the USSR and yeah, the whole 20th century. I think after that, things started to change and taking on the shape of the way things are in the rest of the world, which is, yeah, when the man is being the head of the house and like the woman listens to him. Um, So yeah, I think it's actually, yeah, it seems to be like that. When thinking about it, it does make me pretty proud, I guess, that inherently Kazakh people were believers in equality, gender equality. Yeah, because I think there were a lot of like national leaders in history who were women, warrior women as well. So yeah. Wow, that's that's really incredible and pretty cool to to see like the history behind it a little bit. Well and you know what's interesting is that after speaking to some people from different parts of Central Asia, it seems that Kazakhstan is more of the is like the most liberal out of like the other countries or like the most progressive at least out of the other central asian countries would you agree with that maybe i think that that's probably true because i think kazakhstan is developing 
perhaps at a faster state, a faster rate than other Central Asian countries. However, I think in the recent years, um, Uzbekistan uh, has also been making a lot of progress. I mean, I don't want to put the countries against each other and make them compete or something because Central Asia is like a beautiful region in all ways. But yeah, I think people are saying that perhaps even Uzbekistan will like go ahead of Kazakhstan or something. I guess um, progress ahead. Yeah, beat Kazakhstan in its race or something. I don't know, towards like development. I don't know. I read an article a while ago that it was saying the US is really looking forward to making a lot of investments in Uzbekistan or something like that. So perhaps making Uzbekistan the like the heart of Central Asia, um, like the main country, even though I think all countries are equal, obviously, and I don't want to put anything against each other. Yeah, and all of them are so beautiful. I mean, I've never been to the Central Asian region, but like I've seen pictures of Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. It's beautiful, those places. It really is. Yes. Um, okay, so you kind of answered this question um, regarding that story that you brought up about the, the boy wearing the skirt. Um, however, do you think that there's a shift in perspective in young people or do the young people of Kazakhstan still think these conflicts are valid? Yeah, I think there's definitely a shift, like especially in the Generation Z, because, yeah, young people, honestly, they amaze me quite a lot, like our generation, because they're increasingly speaking up more and actually doing something, be it going to protests or yeah, as I said, like holding their school administrations accountable for something or just educating themselves and each other. Yeah, so there's a really, really definitely a big shift and people like young people are becoming so much more open minded. And yeah, I think all of that is happening thanks to social media as well, because it's so accessible nowadays to learn about other cultures and the way people live. You know, I was actually just about to ask you, why do you think that there is such a shift in perspective? And then I was going to say, like, do you think it's because of the technology? Do you think it's because of the opportunities that people have with social media and like exposure to different ways of life? You, you yeah. just answered that beautifully. Yeah, definitely media. I think helps a lot in that. Absolutely. Okay, well, my next question is, do you keep up with politics and government in Kazakhstan? Yeah, of course course to stay aware of all the news and the current events that are going on it's important to keep up and where exactly do you get that information like how do you get your information when learning about politics um honestly i mostly just use social media i think like instagram instagram accounts of different like media channels yeah i think they cover the news really well also there is an app called Telegram, where a lot of media channels share information as well, like in Kazakhstan um, or like post-Soviet countries in general. And yeah, it's a really good source as well. So yeah, I use that. Awesome. And considering that Instagram is, you know, social media, there have been many situations where social media has been proven to be biased in a way. Have you ever noticed any type of bias while looking at, while learning about politics through Instagram and other, I guess, social media in general? Well, yeah, I guess I can say that I did see that, but I guess like I'm on the liberal side of Instagram and I mean the internet in general. So I guess I do keep seeing more information that is coherent with my personal political views. So yeah, it's kind of like, uh, what's it called? Like the, ugh. 
I'm forgetting all of the media terms that I learned <laughs> during university when I need them. Yeah, like the social media bubble or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Where yeah. I just like, I want to say something, but I just remember the words in Russian and not English. <laughs> Is Russian your first language or was Kazakh your first language? Well, yeah, it's also a bit of a hard thing to explain, but um, well, I am Kazakh, so Kazakh is my mother tongue. However, I can't say that I know it or speak it well because I, as I said, I was moving around a lot and I lived in not only in Kazakhstan, so I didn't have the opportunity to learn Kazakh continuously throughout my childhood and just growing up. I think Russian is one of the main languages as well, and like my family, for example, we mostly speak Russian, even though my parents and my brothers, they all know Kazakh and my parents among themselves speak Kazakh to each other. When it comes to younger people, it's a bit harder to incorporate Kazakh more. But again, I see changes with that happening as well. And I think younger people want to kind of come back to their roots and their own cultures and everyone's starting to learn Kazakh right now. So I really hope to do that as well. Oh, that's really cool. I love that the the Kazakh youth are trying to preserve the language and go back to the Kazakhstan they know and love. Regarding information and news, have you ever noticed any type of censorship in Kazakhstan? Um, Well, yeah, I... I think yes. Well, I personally don't really consume like specifically like national news from Kazakhstan, but for example, in television, uh, I think like on the national channels, they don't really talk about things that they wouldn't support or that are inconvenient for instance. And yeah, as far as I'm aware, I think, yeah, and recently in Almaty, there was a really large protest uh, in support of Ukraine happening where thousands of people showed up I think one of the it was one of the largest protests in like the history of Kazakhstan, and it was allowed by the government, which was really great. However, I don't think any national channels like reported that at all. Like they didn't talk; they just pretended it didn't happen or something. So yeah, that's an example. I think I find that interesting that the the channels wouldn't, I guess, would kind of ignore that situation. Would that be because of the? of the diplomatic relations with between Kazakhstan and Russia and they don't really want to I guess they don't really want to affect their relationship with Russia yeah uh, that could be one of the reasons perhaps I don't yeah I guess now here comes a couple like light-hearted questions and then we'll get to the food and culture which I'm very excited about um have you met a lot of people from different countries or do you have a lot of friends from different countries yeah, definitely. I mean, I call myself like a third culture kid because, yeah, as I said, I was moving around my whole life a lot. And I mean, I actually, I lived in the U.S. Um, for four years and I, and then in Uzbekistan, I lived for another three years. So of course, naturally, I have friends from, yeah, all over the world. I'm really grateful for that. I think it really, I mean, it helped me to become like the person I am today. That's amazing. And these people that you've met from different countries, are they mostly from Central Asia? Or you said that they that you lived in the US for a few years. So were they also from like Canada, Mexico, or just all over the world? I think pretty much all over the world. Because also in Uzbekistan, I went to an international school. Yeah, there was a lot of just international students, international kids from a bunch of other countries, be it's like Eastern Asia, I don't know, South Korea, or 
the US, um, Australia. I have a lot of friends from, for example, India, Bangladesh as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think right now, but I mean, yeah, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> I think every part of the world. Yeah, that's super cool. I know, I love that. And after meeting so many people from different countries, do you see more similarities or differences between them? Mm. Well, um, yeah, I don't really want to stereotype or generalize. I can say that there is a kind of similarity between the Eastern cultures and the Western cultures. Yeah, I don't want to generalize, but you can say Americans are similar to Europeans, while Eastern Asians are pretty similar to Central Asians, while Central Asians are also similar to Eastern Europeans because of Russia and its influence on these countries so yeah it is interesting to observe that I will you bring up the point like regarding culture I guess however what about regarding ideology or mentality of these people that you met from different countries like would you say that they're like uh, most of the people have a very similar mentality or it's very different well, I think in our generation, like the young people right now, whether teenagers or people in their early 20s, generally, I guess I can say that our mentality would probably be pretty similar to each other. Because, yeah, I think like Gen Z, we're very open-minded and very, I guess, accepting. I can say that I think it doesn't really matter from which country you come from. From, but yeah I think like specifically for our generation we're all pretty much like on the same page about that about like I don't know societal issues or anything and that's again thanks to social media I think and globalization definitely I totally agree with that do you see young people advocating for peace and less conflict in Kazakhstan I mean I know you don't live there anymore but when you were living there or at least on social media have you seen people at ad- young people advocating for peace and less conflict yeah definitely yeah I think I mean children from a young age and like teenagers young teens I think everyone has social media nowadays and Instagram is like one of the largest platforms or TikTok as well I think it's like more and more often happening that it's the younger people or even kids who are constantly posting or spreading awareness about different situations in the world and teaching others and each other about it. So yeah, I think that is also prevalent in Kazakhstan as well. So young people are definitely advocating for peace. I think that that's amazing to hear. And thanks to technology and the access to social media, now young people are finally able to we're we're able to express a voice that we've been waiting to have and then bring up some of these bring up some of these situations where hey this is not very good and this is violating some people's human rights how about we try and take action and help create this world a better place and thanks to technology and social media that's pretty amazing that people are able to do so Okay, so I have one more question regarding peace and conflict, and then we'll go to the the food questions. My last question about peace and conflict is, how can young people help spread awareness to advocate for peace in Kazakhstan? It's not an easy question, let me just say. Well, I think, as mentioned previously, I think social media is the number one tool for that, because it is difficult to do other things. I mean, protests are starting to occur more and more often in Galaxy, 
perhaps the government really is becoming more lenient towards that. But yeah, I think still social media remains the number one tool for that because it's so it's so easy to spread information on there. It can really change a lot of people's mindsets. Definitely. I don't know if you saw my posts on Instagram. However, after doing so many interviews, I did a little bit of a compilation video of so many people that I've interviewed talking about social media. And there were like, I think 15 countries in that video, 15 people from 15 countries saying that social media is like the best thing that we can do. It's the number one answer. It's, it's a great way to advocate for peace and less conflict, especially in this day and age. So yeah. All right. Well, now here comes a couple of questions about food and culture in Kazakhstan. What are some of the most popular dishes in Kazakhstan? Or like, what exactly is the national dish if Kazakhstan has one? Uh, well, I think the most important one would be besparmak. And it is a pretty big dish of basically dough or basically, yeah, in the, it, it's similar to like, like lasagna dough, but it's, I mean, it's cooked differently i guess but yeah basically dough and then a lot a lot of different meats um with onions on the top and sometimes uh depending on like the traditions of a specific region or even family people also add potatoes to that yeah i think that's the main dish and it's very very delicious <laughs> so it's called is it yes Gotcha. Okay. I'm just looking up a picture of it. It looks really good. So it's like meat and onions. And then, okay. Yeah. You were saying like something, like something similar to like pasta dough or at least lasagna dough at the bottom that's cooked. It says that it translates to five fingers. Yeah. Yeah. It does because, uh, oh, yeah. Like traditionally, you could... yeah. Yeah. It's number five. Yeah. You're so good. How do you know that? <laughs> Is the meat typically beef, lamb, horse? Well, the main meat I can say is horse meat. I think for you as an American, that may be shocking. (laughs) Well, okay. So it, it would be shocking in a manner that growing up, my family used to own horses for not for eating. So I guess if my grandmother... (laughs) <laughs> my my grandmother who is from Costa Rica if she if she was informed that someone was eating a horse she would be in tears because one she loves horses also because like of she she has horses that she rides every other day yeah i don't know like it's it's not common to be eating horse meat in the states but yeah. however i will admit i have i'm a lot more adventurous than most people that live in the states yeah, I think when I lived in the U.S. as well, uh, like people, like whenever we shared with others that uh, one of the main meats in Kazakhstan is horse meat, people would just be shocked and disgusted a lot of the times. And we were like, why is it such a problem for you? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, more- <laughs> yeah, I don't really see a, here's the thing, I don't really, I don't see a problem with it at all. It's just, you know, it's unfamiliar. So it's like, it's not right. And it's not, okay, oh my God. I'm quoting somebody who was a a tour guide of me and my family when we were traveling. And the thing that he would always say and remind to people, it was most everyone from the US, um, but some of the people were not as culturally 
educated, I guess. So like something that the tour guide would say, something that Dusty, his name was Dusty, something that he would say is, it's not right. It's not wrong. It's just different. I will live by that for the rest of my life. You know, it's not wrong and it's not right. It's just diff something different from your own. So I guess the idea of eating horse meat, it, it's not right and it's not wrong. It's just different from something that I've experienced. And yeah. I would actually be very curious to try it. Like, I don't know. I, how different is the texture? Is it very similar to like lamb? I think it would be probably more similar to lamb. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's very delicious. It has its own taste. And yeah, I think it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would totally try it. Yeah, you should definitely. Yes. Okay. So Besh Barmak is the national dish. Now, what are some other popular dishes in Kazakhstan? Well, specifically to Kazakhstan, I think other dishes include khobardak, uh, which is a dish with potatoes and meat. Yeah, also very delicious. Well, there's we have bautsaki. That's a, like a type of bread, which is very delicious as well. Um, well, there's also... Yeah, I mean, as I said, like the horse meat specifically, it is also called kaza. It, it's kind of like a sausage type. So it's made like a sausage type and yeah, it's made of horse meat. Yeah, there's also a lot of debate going on about like between Central Asian cu cultures about which dishes belong to which cultures. Um, so yeah, I honestly don't really know, can't say exactly what belongs to who, but we share a lot of cuisine like with other Central Asians, uh, Central Asian countries. So that includes plof, which stems from Uzbekistan, and that's a rice dish and it's very good. We have also lagman, and that stems from uh, Uyghur cultures. Then there's like samsa, uh, which is also probably Uzbek. Then there's manti, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. just in my interview, she brought up all these dishes, samsa, manti, plov, and like, I'm just, it's just giving me really nice, really fun flashbacks to that interview. So like, were these, are these dishes also like, are they also very important to Kazakhstan or not as much? Uh, no, I think they're pretty equally important. We also, yeah, it's considered also like a national, national dishes. So yeah, on any holidays and I mean not only holidays pretty much whenever yeah families always cook um, these foods and that's super cool and okay so what exactly is your favorite Kazakh dish I don't even know it's the hard choice <laughs> because yeah it's, honestly, it's definitely a hard choice from like all these dishes it's like okay maybe like top three okay I guess it would be bishkarmak plof and manti Okay, Bishbarmak, Plov, and Manti. Is the Plov from Kazakhstan different compared to the Plov in Uzbekistan? I mean, I guess you'd be able to get this insight as you lived in Uzbekistan for a few years as well. Yeah, it is quite different. I think especially, like, well, it depends on the region. Because, for example, my mom, she's from uh, the south region of Kazakhstan, which is really close to Uzbekistan. Well, that's where, like, the border is. Growing up, she, because she grew up in a village, in her village, there was, well, it was, first of all, very multicultural, but there were a lot of Uzbek people living there as well. Basically, yeah, the way my mom cooks plov and the way just her side of the family cook plov in general, it's very similar to the way uh, Uzbek people cook plov. And that includes, like, uh, eager with, like, the spices and everything, so a lot of, a lot of different flavors. Um, 
while I think like in the like yeah the rest of the country plov is slightly more basic just rice with like carrots and meat yeah it doesn't have like that special flavor the way it does in Uzbekistan gotcha okay and I guess after you're saying that the plov in Uzbekistan has like more spice I guess is Kazakh food not really as flavored as Uzbek food would you say hard to say but well when it comes to for example bishramak yeah i think that would definitely include less spices in general because it's just that the way my mom cooks which is what i grew up with my entire life like her cooking it's very flavorful and always amazing <laughs> so yeah it really depends more because like i mean each family cook different uh, cooks differently so yeah i think it really depends on individual people yeah. For sure. Yeah, totally. I guess we'll move on to this next question. Do you have a special dish that gives you good memories or like a great story? It's hard to come up with anything right now, but I can say like off the top of my head, I mean, again, I kind of talked about it already, but uh, when we were living in the US, whenever we traveled back to Kazakhstan while living in the US, my parents made sure to bring some kaza with us, like frozen kaza um to later cook it so i think yeah whenever we would have people coming over my mom would make mishpermak and again as i said like american people would get really just surprised and uh shocked at the fact that we eat horse meat and stuff like that because like for example at first we could just let them try it and then we would say it's horse meat and they would be surprised at how good it is uh but yeah that just brings that just brings up like some fun memories i guess um i think all dishes for me associate with something nice and warm yeah family time and being together with my extended family with my relatives more that's wonderful and you know after you were saying that i'm gonna assume that Kazakhstan is a family-oriented country or the culture is very family-oriented as you were saying like you know having these meals it reminds me of my of like my family and times that I was able to spend time with my family. Yeah for sure Kazakhstan is a very family-oriented culture well it kind of also comes from the conservative traditional thinking but I mean I'm not against it because I think family is really important yeah being together spending time with your relatives I think yeah it really matters absolutely yeah I totally agree now you were talking about this a little bit because you said that your mother is from the southern part of Kazakhstan the cooking is a little bit more influenced by Uzbekistan in a way I was going to ask you does your family make any dishes differently than other Kazakh families like do you guys add something differently to the bishparmak or the the kaza that's different from others I think mostly it's probably about the same but yeah, maybe just those small differences um, in my mom's way of cooking. Yeah, that, as you said, were influenced by Uzbekistan more. But I mean, honestly, I just think that like my mom's cooking over anyone else's cooking. <laughs> yeah, whenever even like going over to someone's house and eating their food, it's not the same as eating my mom's food because I feel like her cooking is just the best. <laughs> yes, best cooking in Kazakhstan. now let's say that i'm going to kazakhstan what is a dish from kazakhstan that i like have to try like no matter what like i have to do anything i can to get to try this dish what dish would that be 
Well, definitely Kaze. Uh, yeah, the horse meats. <laughs> I think you should try that. And yeah, I mean, also about sake, like the bread, it's very great as well. Mm -hmm. And also we actually have this other thing. Um, it's called kurt. And um, honestly, I, I don't even know how it's cooked. It's like made out of, well, it's a dairy product. Um, and it's like these dried up little, I don't even know. If you look it up, maybe you can see that it's like, Okay, so I, I got a picture of it. So they look like little pebbles. Yeah, kind of. They're pretty hard as well. So And they're very, very, very salty and kind of sour because it's usually like a stereotype that, um, yeah, Kazakh grandmas uh, make them, cook them. Even there are some shapes of porta that you can see like the imprints of fingers because you have to like roll it. You have to like, yeah, squish it and stuff. It's still really good. It's yeah, it's it has like an interesting taste. Not a lot of people can take it, but yeah, I think you should really try. Can it. you take it? Yeah, for sure. I can eat like I don't know several at once. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, you know what? I would be willing to try that. And then there was another dish that you were talking about. Oh, like the oh the bread, the Kazakh bread, the bursaki, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It see okay. So I'm also looking at a picture of that right now. It seems like it's sweeter, like a little more sweet than other types of bread well it i think yeah sugar is an ingredient there i don't know i wouldn't say it's a very sweet one but um it it can it can go with anything it, you can eat it with whether it's even or plov uh, or you can just eat it with like butter and cheese or you can eat it with like jam as well it had like powdered sugar on top of it, it it's it said that it was like a, a central asian donut well it's cooked in a similar way but okay. i it's not as sweet. Okay, okay. I got it. Well, interesting enough, it says that on this website, according to legend, the aroma from the oil in frying bursak floats into the heavens so that your deceased loved ones can enjoy them with you. That is, have you heard of that? Well, um, not specifically of this kind of interpretation of it, but I think, yeah, like the idea behind it, that makes sense because in like ancient Kazakh culture, uh, it was believed that your- Relative ancestors? Yeah, your ancestors, they're like walking over you and they're always with you. And yeah, there's also like, I think above borsaki, there's a dish, shilpeki, uh, also like a type of bread. Um, yeah, that is often cooked on occasions when you're kind of like in honor of memory of someone is no longer here i guess that kind of carries the same message yeah and you're talking about the the shelpeki like flatbread right yeah it is yeah and here it says that in kazakhstan there's a tradition of giving out seven or more shelpekis on friday as it's the holiest day of the week in islam is that also yeah. a tradition yeah i think yeah i hear that uh, people cook shelpeki the most on fridays that's true Oh, that's cool. Well, good to know that this website is not so inaccurate. That's I think that's one. <laughs> yeah. Let's say, so if I was going to Kazakhstan, you'd recommend that I try borsaki, shilpeki, kazi, kazi is it? Yeah, kazi. Kazi and then um the kurt. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll definitely be trying those. Um, yeah, I also like on the website that um, there's shubat and kumus, yeah, and that's the t different types of milk. However, I personally don't really like them. Yeah, I, I don't drink them. That's why I didn't suggest them, but you should definitely try them as well. And that's made out of 
camel's milk is it mm-hmm. yeah okay okay i remember i saw i watched this travel youtuber a drubinsky he's my like my favorite travel youtuber ever and he had a vlog um of him in kazakhstan and he tried camel's milk for the first time there and according to him it was like really really salty mm-hmm. yeah i think that's true yeah again i don't really drink it <laughs> yeah because i i don't know I, don't, i can't really take it but what does food mean for kazakh culture like would you say that food is important for kazakhs yeah for sure um I think it means like the meaning behind food. It's always about getting together with the people you love. Yeah, be your family, your friends, your relatives. Food is a very important part of that. And cooking for someone. Yeah, I guess you can say it's like one of the main love languages for yeah, Kazakhstani culture. I think whenever you have people coming over to your house, whether you invited them or someone just suddenly came over, it's kind of like a must for you to offer them something that you made yourself so that yeah your guests enjoy their stay with you yeah so i think yeah because of that like kazakh culture like kazakh people we're very hospitable and very welcoming to others that's super sweet and i love that tradition is like you make something for the guest and like you hand make it and everything that like just show your respect and like you kind of yeah. you show people like who you are through a plate of food that like you take time out of your day to make and the other person eats and enjoys and then boom friendship love it yeah, for sure yeah okay and then finally what dish or food makes you feel at home or like it gives you a sense of home i think it would be all the ones that i listed before <laughs> because yeah pretty much any central asian food and yeah here it doesn't really matter whether it's like plov or bishparmak because I would feel at home with any type of Central Asian food because just all Central Asian cultures, they're all very connected. And like we share a lot of our history together, a lot of our cultural traits with each other. And yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And I really like appreciate that. Here in the Netherlands, I know that there's um, an Uyghur cuisine restaurant in The Hague. So I really, really want to go there to eat some lagman. Because even though it's not really a Kazakh dish, it's an Uyghur dish, it still has that feeling that it's from a place close to where I come from, you know? So, yeah. I, I totally understand that feeling. Last year, I actually traveled to Panama, which is a country that borders Costa Rica, but I had never been there before and knew nothing about the food. However, I was so excited to go. And when I went, I just felt like a really weird feeling that was like familiar to me. because of how similar Panama was to Costa Rica but I was like I'm not Panamanian but I feel like comfortable in a way yeah Yeah, so and so I totally get the feeling and it you should definitely go to the Uyghur restaurant I think it would be amazing for you yeah (laughs) yeah okay so I have two questions overall and then we're gonna then we're done with the whole interview let's say someone was going to Kazakhstan where would you recommend them to go well yeah um Kazakhstan there's a lot of opportunities for travelers to see because it's a really really beautiful place um yeah our nature it's really gorgeous of course you have to visit the capital city Astana you have to see all of the the regular top visiting places definitely definitely have to come to Almaty because it is the largest city and I can say that I think it is more of a cultural capital of the country a lot of people live there 
Um, it's warmer than Astana. We have mountains in Almaty, which are just stunning. Going to the mountains would be definitely one of the top priorities, I think. For example, it depends also which season you come during. Um, for example, if you come in winter, the mountains are snowy, so you can ski, you can snowboard. There's a really great like a uh, skiing resort in Almaty called Shumbulak. There's also like a really, really big ice skating rink called Midelo uh, in Almaty. Uh, so yeah, during winter, those things are must see places. But I mean, during summer and like warmer seasons, you can also do hiking, which is something I also really want to start doing because I am not really experienced in that. Also, in terms of uh, nature, uh, I think there's the Charim Canyon in the Almaty region. I haven't been there myself, but I really, really want to visit it because I think it's gorgeous. And there's also in Almaty region, it is there's a Lake Kayindi. It's like a, a very beautiful place. It's almost like a natural wonder almost because there's trees underwater i don't know how to explain it but it's very very beautiful i haven't been there either really want to go oh my god say um, less that like yeah. once you said trees underwater i was instantly like whoa <laughs> yeah so yeah our nature it's yeah it's really beautiful absolutely um, yeah besides nature of course there's i think just being in the city for example in almaty it's already an experience, especially like in the city center where like a lot of the nightlife goes on. You can get a lot also from just looking and observing people and the way they live on a daily basis. So yeah, that's amazing. I love that. And okay, so I finally have this opportunity to, to ask this question to you who are from, who's from Kazakhstan, specifically from Almaty. Are apples really from Kazakhstan, like the fruit, the apple. Is it really from Kazakhstan? Well, yeah. Well, the name of the city, Almaty, it translates to like the father of the apples or the grandfather of apples. And yeah, I guess a lot of people, a lot of different sources, they say that like apples as a fruit originally stems from Kazakhstan. But honestly, I don't really know myself. <laughs> I can't really say that whether it's true or not. Yeah, probably, yes, maybe, especially like a certain type of apple, a port. It's a type of apple and it's, it's very big. It's very like juicy. Yeah, that definitely stems from Almaty. Um, we have those growing every year. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really say for sure. Well, it's I mean, are the, apples, are the apples good? Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. Like it would make sense because it's the origin. <laughs> yeah, but definitely the aport apple. Yeah, th those, those are amazing. Well, shoot, God, I had this other question, although it's a little stereotypical. However, I was curious to get your opinion on Borat, if mm. I could ask about that. I I bet you've heard a lot of questions about Borat as a Kazakh, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, it is also a sensitive topic, you can say, in Kazakhstan. especially oh, really? among, Yeah, especially among younger generations, I think. Because when did it come out? Like the, the, new, the new part last year, right? I think I think last year or two years ago. Yeah, because before that, like the old board, like the first part, I never even heard about it, honestly. But then when all the hype started coming about the new part, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> what is this? Because 
yeah, watching the trailer and seeing the national flag and the national symbol of Kazakhstan, along with a very like a caricature version of the Kazakh language. It had like Russian letters there. It was just seeing all of that and him Borat saying hello I'm from Galaxton and all that I was very honestly it made me it was angry. offensive it was definitely offensive yeah it's seeing that it was honestly horrible <laughs> and I think a lot of people share that opinion with me and then when when you travel around in other places and you say I'm from Galaxton and the only association people have is Borat well that's that's also just not very pleasant to hear it's not pleasant to experience um, yeah because even though people claim and like the directors the actors anyone they claim that it's a satire and it's about the u.s it's still like you can't really make sure that everyone understands it the way you intend it to be understood because some people are unfortunately not as educated and they see this and they assume that is the truth that that is how things really are and yeah they start making assumptions of the way Kazakhstan and our people our culture is and I think it's honestly very harmful because yeah as I said a lot of people don't get that it's supposed to be a satire and they just think that that's the truth yes i think that there's definitely lack of representation authentic representation at least for a lot of these countries and i feel for the the kazakh people like you know just that anger of like and that i guess that kind of discrimination you could say regarding that film because even though yeah you, as you said it was supposed to be satire however there's always a little truth to every joke i feel like and there could definitely be some better representation for, for Kazakhstan. Well, you know, actually, this is like the perfect segue to like my very last question. So I want you to imagine that you meet someone who has never heard of Kazakhstan before. Like they didn't know that it was a country. They didn't know it existed. And you can tell that person one thing about Kazakhstan. What would you tell them? That's a good question. I face that situation a lot <laughs> because not a lot of people know Kazakhstan or what it is or wherever that is. So I always have to say something about it. It's not an easy question for sure. And honestly, it's my absolute favorite question that I ask everyone to say like the very first thing that they would tell someone about their country. It's just so incredible. Well, what I usually say is that Hi, I'm from Kazakhstan. It's a country in Central Asia. <laughs> but I guess what a lot of people say, especially, well, I don't know, in my family, my parents really like to say this, that it's the ninth biggest country in the world. Since no one really knows about it, automatically talking about its size, like you can already kind of establish like that yes, I come from such a great country, like it's so big. How do you not know about it because it's so big? <laughs> I probably wouldn't come up with something super original or interesting. Something I can share about Kazakhstan is that it's a very multicultural country and a very diverse country, very welcoming and very hospitable, as I mentioned before. So yeah. That's wonderful. And actually, when you brought up about like Kazakhstan's size is pretty smart to bring up and like tell people, hey, I come from a pretty big country. Like, how do you not know about it? It's the largest landlocked country in the world. Actually, I don't know. Anytime I meet someone new and they don't know where Kazakhstan is, and then we take a look at the map together <laughs> and they just take a first glance and they see Kazakhstan pop up of them like right, right there, right away because it's so big and you can see it right away. They're just like, 
they're so shocked because they realize they've never realized that before even though i mean everyone knows like the world map generally right and yeah. just not having <laughs> such a huge country while it's right in your face a lot of people just become shocked at that yes definitely yeah like right when i just opened up the map I, and like i see you know russia china and kazakhstan those big three yeah exactly <laughs> all right well damily this has really been fantastic it's been so much fun talking to you about Kazakhstan and the culture, conflict and cuisine. It's been it's been really great. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah, it's thank so you much so fun. much. How would you say that in in Kazakh? Thank you for your time. Well, thank you would be Rahmet. Um, Rahmet. Thank you so much would be Ulken Rahmet. Ulken Rahmet. Ulken Rahmet. Ulken Rahmet. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably stick to Russian, maybe. Spasiba. <laughs> no, no I like trying. I, at least I like have to try. Yeah. No, but yeah, thank you as well for the great interview. I'm glad your audiences will get to know about Central Asian cultures more. Yeah. And yeah, wishing you luck and success in your endeavors because I think this podcast is really great. Yeah. So thank you. Job. That's that's so sweet of you. Thank you for listening to my Global Youth's Perspective podcast. My goal is to share insight into the lives and cultures of my friends around the world, and hopefully we can listen to each other, bridge our differences, and make this world a better place.